Have you ever wondered why somebody who appears to be a great leader fails? And on the other hand, why someone who appears to be a poor leader can do really well? Well, we've already looked at the crucial link between being and doing. Now the stage is set to go a little bit deeper. Fred was a very successful salesman. He'd worked his way up from the ground to become vice president in a major corporation. As Fred reached his mid-50s, he was challenged by a friend to start his own business. So the friend realized that Fred's skills would be a major advantage for starting a business. So, with his usual enthusiasm, Fred started the business. Yet after several years of intense effort, using the same skills that had made him a vice president, the business failed. Now, John had served as an effective associate pastor, respected by his people and his colleagues alike. So he felt excited about his new solo pastorate. After a year, the congregation abruptly fired him. <laughs> he never really knew what hit him. But his skills, expertise, and character landed him a second pastorate within a few months. Uh, after six months, one of the pillars of the church came to John and said that if John did not resign, then he would get him fired. When John asked him why, the pillar just said, we don't like your style of ministry. Well, he decided he was going to leave the ministry altogether. But just before he resigned completely, another church asked John to become its minister. After five years of successful ministry, in which many new people joined the church and the giving increased 50%, John was scratching his head. He had no idea why this church was so different than the others. Now, we see these stories, these true stories, replayed almost every day in a number of ways. A highly successful person moves to a new business, a new church, a new community, and suddenly fails. Or someone who utterly failed in one place moves to another place and succeeds spectacularly. Well, what makes the difference is one of the most overlooked factors affecting our leadership, the context. We don't lead in isolation. Leadership always operates in a context, and the context will determine our leadership effectiveness as much as our action, actions do. One of our great delusions is that we can lead effectively no matter where we are. Now, one important context of leadership is what we have called a people system. Now, essentially, any system is just a set of things working together as a complex whole. So we'll talk about a computer system, which is a set of electrical components connected together to form a laptop. Or we could talk about the digestive system, which is a set of organs and processes in the body connected together to enable us to process food. And so a people system is any set of people with a connectedness from which its own identity and forms emerge. As people associate together in groups, they naturally begin to develop a common sense of identity and certain ways of doing things. This group quickly takes on a life of its own, becoming a complex unit with an existence distinct from its individual members. This group has become a people system. Now, the most basic people system in the world is the human family. 
However, wherever people connect together in groups, they form a people system. It's a natural tendency among all human beings. God created us this way. Now, these groups determine our leadership effectiveness much more than we realize. Effective leaders are always leaders of people systems. Now, although the phrase people system might be new to you, the concept is actually very biblical. In the New Testament, the concept of household is an example of a people system. The word household can refer to a family, a business, or even the church itself. In the Old Testament, God often referred to entire nations as one large individual people system by using a singular name, such as Ephraim, Edom, or Egypt. The prophet Amos spends three chapters calling out the sins of nations as if they were the sins of individuals. Now, Paul himself even compares the people system to, called the church to another well-known system called the human body. Now, God designed us as social beings, so we naturally group ourselves together. These groups quickly take on a life of their own, become, becoming living entities. We spontaneously organize ourselves with a clear identity and defined ways of relating. After this, we begin to receive a sense of personal satisfaction and meaning from our association with these groups. We learn and we grow from our connections with these groups. We tend to conform our behavior to what is acceptable to the group. Now, think about your favorite sports team. We tend to dress in our team's colors and wear our team's logos. We usually have different rituals we follow during games. Cheering our teams on uh, often induces very strange behaviors, such as yelling, singing strange songs, and jumping up and down. Things you'd never do on your own. Now this shows the influence people systems may have on us, and these are not even the most important people systems in our lives. Now when they're healthy, People systems will influence us toward behavior that is good and virtuous. Now, this explains why the church is so important to effective discipleship. These people systems then become the foundation for a healthy society. Now, all people systems have leaders. Leaderless systems do not exist. In the Bible, leaders of people systems were called stewards. Stewards were leaders with authority, not just managers, as is often translated. Stewards had a responsibility to lead well and promote good outcomes for their masters. In healthy people systems, leadership will rotate among various people depending on the needs of the group at any given moment. However, Leaders will always emerge based on how people are behaving within the system or based on how people perceive others within the system. This means that if we are behaving like a leader and people are following us, then guess what? We are leaders, no matter what title or position you might have. This also means that if people see us as the leader, they will expect us to lead. Now, this dynamic works negatively as well. If people don't see us as the leader or don't follow us, then no matter what title or position we may have, uh, no matter who we might think we are, we're not the leader. Now, in people systems, leaders function much like brains function in the human body. 
through our being, we regulate the functioning of the people system, much like our brains regulate the heart beating or the breathing of our bodies. Through our doing, we help the people system make good choices and take wise actions, much as the brain determines what we say and do. Now, the key point is this. Our being as leaders influences our people systems more deeply and profoundly than we realize. It is our primary leadership influence in our people system. Now, Paul's comparison of the church with the human body actually gives us great insights not only into churches, but into all people systems. From this, we would suggest that a people system might be roughly compared to an individual person having a spirit, a soul, and a body. And the soul includes the mind, the will, and the emotions. As leaders, we need to understand how we influence all these aspects of the people system, both through our being as well as our doing. Now, we'll take each one of these in turn. People systems have what we might call a spirit. Now, by this, we don't mean something that is strange or weirdly mystical. Uh, instead, the, people, the spirit of a people system is an invisible dynamic that emanates from the people system and influences people within and around it, much like a gravitational field emanates from a planet. You don't see gravity, but we can certainly see it at work. You just look at the tides or how planets revolve around the sun. Another analogy might be that of an electromagnetic field, both a gravitational field and an electromagnetic field are invisible, yet they influence things around them. They cause discernible changes and effects. So the spirit of a people system describes that invisible reality which influences and affects people within its range, both socially and spiritually. The spirit of a system gives it a sense of life and vitality. Uh, we're all, we've all probably noticed this. Uh, for example, you might walk into a church and suddenly sense, wow, this is a joyful, faith-filled place. Or you could visit someone in their home and suddenly feel kind of uncomfortable. And you discover later that just before you arrived, the husband and the wife were having a bad argument. Or you might pass from one neighborhood into another neighborhood and suddenly feel depressed and discouraged. The atmosphere feels oppressive. These are all influences of the spirit of a system. Now, the spirit of a system operates in accordance with spiritual principles. Sin and legalism bring death. Repentance and forgiveness bring life to the spirit. If you sow to the flesh in a people system, you will reap corruption. If we sow to the spirit, we will reap life. Now, as a spiritual system, the spirit of a system might uh, be influenced by the Holy Spirit, by angels, and by demons. As a spiritual reality, the spirit of a people system may also be influenced by activities such as prayer, worship, Bible reading, and thanksgiving. Now, Paul is very aware of this spiritual reality. In Colossians 2, Paul cautions the church about the elemental spirits of the world that may influence them corporately. In Ephesians 6, Paul tells us that we are wrestling against principalities and powers, spiritual forces that influence people systems. In Ephesians 4, 
Paul tells the church to remember they are all members of one body, and so they should not together give the devil a foothold. Because of the spiritual dynamic of people systems, the past influences the present in a system. What has happened in the past influences what happens today. The good legacy of the past will influence the people system towards beneficial outcomes. The sin of the past will influence the system in ways contrary to God's will. That's why it's important for a people system to celebrate the good of its past while repenting of the sins of the past. Now, repentance in this context simply means that we acknowledge what happened was sinful and that we make a conscious choice not to continue the sins of the past into the present. Now, Freedom in Christ Ministries has a process called Setting Your Ministry Free, which helps churches and businesses uh, and their leaders to resolve issues from the past in their churches and businesses. It's like a corporate version of the Steps to Freedom in Christ. Now, many have reported significant and sometimes immediate improvements in the spiritual environments as they have used it. Now, as leaders, we influence the spirit of the people system through our being and our doing. Our connection with our people system means that our spiritual health and integrity as leaders will naturally promote spiritual health and integrity in the system. Our relationship with God will naturally help connect the people in the system with God. And this is true in the marketplace as well as in the church. When we as leaders engage in activities such as prayer, worship, repentance, forgiveness, and thanksgiving, both on our own and with others, we are influencing the spirit of the people system. And this is true even when we do these things in the workplace. And as we resolve the sin issues of the past and embrace the positive spiritual heritage of the past publicly, we shape the spirit of the people system. Now, the soul of the people system has three parts. The emotions, the mind, and the will. Emotions, or what we will call here emotional processes, are constantly active in people systems. Now, we have a big definition in the book, but let me simplify it here. Emotional processes are the complex interplay of our impressions, feelings, and inclinations, and those of everybody around us, which influences our thoughts, emotions, and choices. Like our human emotions, emotional processes happen automatically. Uh, for example, if I would have walked into this room in a bad mood, uh, then my mood would have influenced everybody in the room, whether or not you recognized it. If you were in a bad mood as well, your mood would have gotten worse. Uh, if you had a father who always seemed to be in a bad mood and then yelled at you, then you would have been defensive toward me. In turn, your response to me would have affected everybody sitting around you. All this would have happened quickly and almost imperceptibly. Now, this dynamic happens continuously in any people system. Whether the emotional processes are positive or negative will determine how well people hear us and respond to us. They will determine how people relate to one another. And we may not even realize what is going on. So as leaders, again, our being and our doing influence the emotional processes of our people system. 
if we are emotionally healthy and have good emotional awareness, our health will help to create and regulate healthy emotional processes in the system. If we are positive and set a hopeful tone, then we will help build healthy emotional reactions in our people system. How we react emotionally to what's going on will determine how other people react emotionally. As leaders, we can choose to remain calm and connected with people even when they are not calm. We can choose to express joy. We can express appropriate humor. We can be optimistic. All these things will influence the emotions of our people system. As Solomon said, a soft answer turns away wrath. This applies to us together as well as individually. Now, have you ever noticed how people who spend a lot of time together begin to think alike? They begin to have the same attitudes and the same perspectives. They use the same language. Groups seem to develop a mind of their own. This happens in families, churches, businesses, and even nations. And it's a natural phenomenon. It's also biblical. Places like Philippians 2.5, 1 Peter 3.8, Romans 12.1 and 2, the Bible uses the singular word mind in a collective sense. So we're told to have the mind of Christ. And in doing so, Paul is telling us that together as one people system, we need to have the mind of Christ. So in a sense, our battle is a battle for the mind of our people system. Just like individual people, people systems can develop mental strongholds that influence them contrary to the will of God. Just like people, we need to renew our people system mind with truth. This is why activities such as preaching and studying the Bible are so essential for churches. And as leaders, our being influences the mind of our people system. If we are mature and reflect the fruit of the Spirit in our character then our people system will begin to embrace that same maturity. What we focus on as leaders will determine the focus of our people system. If we as leaders value the Bible and ensure that the Bible conditions how we think, then the people we lead will naturally begin to do the same, even if it's in the marketplace, and we never even have to be religious about it. Our doing as leaders will direct the focus of the people that we lead. The sermons we preach, or in the case of the marketplace, the messages we send, the perspectives we have, and how we engage in thinking and reasoning publicly will all influence the mind of our system. To see the power of focus in action, all you need to do is just stand on any street corner looking up. And notice how many passers-by look up as well. Now, this is why having a vision is so important for us as leaders. If you have a vision and you keep yourself focused on that vision, then your vision will naturally influence the vision of everyone in your people system. Your whole system will naturally move toward the vision. Now, people systems also have a will. They make corporate choices and decisions. Uh, voting is one common way that people systems express their will, but there are lots of others. The choices and decisions of the people system reflect the true values of that system. How people systems exercise their collective will will tell us a lot about the people system. Uh, for example, all churches will tell us that outreach and prayer, they're very important. Perhaps the most important activities of churches. Churches. 
But many churches do very little outreach or prayer. They may tell us what they think they value, but how they exercise their corporate will shows us what they really value. The spirit, the emotions, or mind of the system lead the will of the system. They determine how a system chooses and acts. So if you try to change the will of the system before you change the spirit, emotions, or mind of the system, then you will almost always fail. Uh, As leaders, again, we influence the will of our people system. In our being, we must remain well connected to the people system. We must also be determined to persevere when people in the system don't do what they think what we think they should right away. In our doing, we need to model healthy choices and healthy relationships. If we want people to make difficult choices, then we must first make those difficult choices ourselves. If we want our people system to anchor its choices in the Bible, then we must anchor our choices in the Bible and let people see how we are doing this. The spirit, emotions, and mind of the, and the will of the people system are constantly interacting with one another. They influence each other continuously, just like they do in us as individuals. Our systems also have what we might call a body or flesh and bones. Now, the flesh and bones of a system includes things like the structures created by the system, like buildings, the policies and procedures they develop, such as constitutions, the ways the people system portrays itself to the world, like websites, and how the members of the people system interface with one another, such as small groups and work teams. The flesh and bones of a people system is what some people have called a a corporate culture, uh, although over the years this phrase has taken on a bit broader meaning. They are the expression of the interplay between the spirit, soul, and leadership of the people system. Once the flesh and bones of a people system matures and takes shape, it will itself influence the spirit, soul, and leadership of the system. As an architect friend of mine once said, we shape our buildings, then they shape us. One of the greatest mistakes leaders make is assuming that we can lead by changing the flesh and bones of a people system. If we assume that if we have the right structure in place, people will naturally conform to it, that will never happen. The history of churches, businesses, nations are filled with stories of leaders who failed to lead because they first tried to change the flesh and bones of the people system. Just think of all those churches that thought they could make their church grow by using overhead projectors for song lyrics. Now, we will shape the flesh and bones of our people systems by promoting health and positive change in the spirit and soul of the system first. This will create a desire in the system to change the flesh and bones. Our attitude must be one of respect towards the flesh and bones of the system as a legacy of the past, even as we desire to change the flesh and bones of the system for the future. The spirit, soul, and body of a system constantly influence the people within that system. They enable people systems to become agents of transformations in people's lives, for better or for worse. Our major influence as leaders will be to influence the spirit and soul of our people system through our being, not only our doing. That's why healthy leadership is essential for a healthy system. 
I'm a leader with a leadership team of a church called River Church in Seaford in Sussex. As a church, we've just gone through uh, the biggest transition since we took over leadership there, which is uh, the end of one season uh, of one church and actually the, the starting of a new church is something God's led us into. And so for the people, that was a big transition and obviously change can cause a lot of anxiety. When we start to look at people systems, it really was a, a new thing to us. I mean, we understand as leaders that we have a group of people that we lead, but to actually understand the people system itself and to realise that some of the, uh, the, the anxieties or the lack of trust and things that can be uh, seen within that people system and actually how to begin to address it, how we as leaders have influenced it for good or for bad, but also how we can begin to... Uh, encourage that people system to step out from that place of anxiety or lack of trust and learn to trust or learn to give their cares into to God as we uh, we lead them in doing the very thing ourselves. This leads us to our dilemma. Becoming a healthy leader is one of our greatest responsibilities as leaders, yet being a healthy leader does not determine your fruitfulness as a leader. A healthy system will often make an unhealthy leader effective An unhealthy system will often render a healthy leader ineffective. This means that our people systems will determine our leadership effectiveness far more than we realize at times. We need to remember, and I think find comfort in, the words of Solomon in Ecclesiastes, slightly amended by me. Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance and people systems happen to them all.